0: Our scripture reading this morning comes from James chapter 5, verses 13 through 20. Is anyone among you in trouble? Let them pray. Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with the oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up if they have sinned. And someone should bring that person back. Remember this. Whoever turns a sinner from the error of their way will save them from death and cover over a multitude of sins. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. Good
1: morning to all again. And I'm going to say a special good morning to uh, Carlene from Jamaica. logged in and uh, thank you so much for joining with us. Hi Sherry and Rob B. and um, others from you know across not just uh, Massachusetts but uh, outside probably from Georgia and a couple from Florida also. We want to hear from God's Word this morning as was read James chapter 5 13 to 20. Lord Jesus, we just ask, dear God, that your word would go forth with uh, power, with unction, and would come to our hearts, dear God, and plant a seed and be fruitful. And so we ask, dear God, that you would open our minds, open our hearts to receive from you what you have in store for us on this day that you have given us. In Christ's name, amen. I want to talk to you this morning about, uh, you know, God is a God for all seasons. You know, in, in, in this chapter of James, James gives us some very practical, and if I might say so, some very common sense recommendations or instructions in how to respond to various situations. You know, he says, if you're suffering, you know, pray. If you're cheerful, you know. Sing. If you're sick, you know, call for the elders. So he says, if you're you're suffering, pray. That's in verse 13. And the suffering that James is here referring to is not bodily suffering. Because he addresses that in the very next verse. So I'm assuming that he's referring to life's troubles and situations that would bring on suffering. So maybe you are a victim of discrimination. Maybe you're being overworked and not being compensated fairly. Maybe you're being abused verbally or otherwise. You're in a life situation that is causing you mental or emotional stress. You're up to here with a particular situation, and you just can't take it anymore. Enough is enough, and the suffering is unbearable. a matter of fact, you would say that suffering doesn't begin to describe your frustrations, anxieties, hurts, and fears. You see? Prayer comes naturally to those experiencing a period of suffering. The pleasure principle is a term originally used by Sigmund Freud to characterize the tendency of people to seek pleasure and avoid pain. Freud argued that people will sometimes go to great lengths to avoid even momentary pain. Particularly at times of psychological weakness or vulnerability. You see, when we look in the Old Testament, the children of Israel were in Egypt and they were indeed suffering. They were being oppressed, they were being abused, and they naturally cried out to God. And yes, prayer just seems to come natural for those who are suffering. When people experience suffering, (laughs) it is usually outside of their personal plans. (laughs) And as such, outside of their control or the control of others. You see, regular people, regular people don't put suffering on their to-do list for the week. Well, you know, I mean, you know, I, I don't know of anyone who, who would say, you know, I, I think I'm free on, on, you know, this Thursday coming for about two hours of suffering. Let me write that down and put that on my to-do list. No, it doesn't happen like that. And no, I'm not talking about a visit to the dentist. That's not suffering. Or to the in-laws. That's not real suffering. Real suffering is outside of our daily visits, it's outside of our daily plans, it is in times of these moments of suffering, these moments of futility and helplessness that people remember that there is a God, that there is a supreme being. It is then that they open their minds to the thought that there could be a God somewhere who may have the ability to infuse His power into their situation and relieve them of the suffering. It's just what we do. It's just natural human response. But James is not just here talking about anybody. James was here writing to the church. He was writing to Christians. He was saying, hey, this is your privilege as a child of God. Not just a privilege, but it's also a safeguard to set us straight in our understanding. Paul wrote to the church in Corinth for our momentary light suffering is producing for us an eternal weight of glory far beyond all comparison. So we pray. Not so much that God would take away our suffering, although that would naturally be our prayer. I mean, people are suffering. People are going to ask God to take away the suffering. But we should pray that we would align our thinking with God's thinking. We would pray that God, that we would align our will with God's will, align our plans with God's plans. Otherwise, we would be like the seed spoken of in Matthew chapter 13 and verse 21. But since they have no root, they last only a short time when suffering or persecution comes because of the word they quickly fall away and die to prevent this from happening when we experience suffering as children of our loving father we should pray and we should pray and ask god to help us to understand his way submit our will to His will. Submit our way to His way. Say yes Lord yes to your will and to your way. Say yes Lord yes I will trust you and obey. James not only said if you're suffering pray. But secondly he said you know if you're cheerful sing. (laughs) Verse 13 tells us. James says if you're cheerful why don't you do some singing? And, and, and singing is such a natural outflow of cheerfulness. Even for people who can't carry a tune in a bucket, they sing when they're happy. Come on now. You know people like that. You know someone like that. They can't sing if their life depended on it. Ah, uh, yeah, someone just popped up in your mind, didn't they? Hey. <laughs> no, I'm not talking about you, Logan. But someone popped up in your mind. As I'm speaking right now, they can't sing, but when they're happy, they sing. And when we hear that person singing, we know why that person is singing. We know that person is happy. We really don't want them not to be happy. We really don't want them not to be joyful. We just want them not to sing at this moment. Yeah. Well, I went to Caribbean Nazarene Theological College, was my second college that I attended, and that college had a quartet, a male quartet. That went about and sang you know throughout the year. It went to different churches, different conventions, and it would sing, and it was a way to advertise the school, you know, you know, you know the college and to do ministry. And so in the first uh, semester, early in the first semester, there was an audition for you know, this, this male quartet. And myself and 12 other young men turned out for the audition and after we had the audition uh you know the, the 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 choir director um who was doing the selection his name was reverend Leland Henry you know uh as we were walking out he didn't say anything but as we were walking out he just tapped two guys on their shoulders and motioned that you know hey come see me um and uh, we found out after that time that if you got tapped on the shoulder and you got the motion come see me It was not a good sign Thanks, but no, thanks So two guys got tapped on the shoulder and you know uh, come see me whoops, so the next Practice or you know audition is stage two of the audition. We were down to you know um, we were down to there were 13 of us. We were down now to Eleven, And after that, after that practice, yeah, you know, Reverend Henry tapped two guys on the shoulder. And, you know, yeah, come see me. Thank you, but no thanks. And I tell you, man, after each practice, it was, the, it was the hardest thing to walk out. And you're praying, please, don't let me be tapped on the shoulder. Don't let me be tapped on the shoulder. Well, it came down to seven Seven of us, and three of us had to be, you know, released. And he had indicated that that, this might be the um, the last audition. And as we were walking out, two guys got tapped on the shoulder. And so when we came back the next day, it was five of us. And I said, Oh my goodness. The other four guys were really good singers. Reverend Henry gathered us and said, Listen, I got a tough decision to make. He said, Uh, Dewton, you hold the lead. Mark, you hold the tenor. Elijah, you hold the bass. Paul, you hold the harmony. You hold the alto. Patrick, you hold the book. <laughs> <laughs> I never lived that down. I never lived that down. That year, we, sometimes we sang as a quartet. Sometimes we sang as a quintet. Um, and yes, I held the book all right. But I sang. And when given the opportunity, I sang. I sang because there was joy in my heart. I sang because I was happy in the Lord. Singing was just a natural expression of the joy that I felt. And so as I sang with the quintet, you know, as a member of that quintet, I was singing with a lot of joy. You know, the most famous Christian songwriter, you've heard of him. Most famous Christian songwriter knew the connection between singing and cheerfulness. He wrote many songs on the theme. I'll read a few of his lines for you. He wrote, I will sing of your love and justice. He wrote, I will sing praise to you with songs. He wrote, I will sing and make music with all my heart. I will be glad and rejoice in you. I will sing the praises of your name. Yes, the psalmist David knew that singing is a natural outflow of joy. Sevilla Martin was born in Nova Scotia in 1866. Her husband was an evangelist who traveled all over the United States. She accompanied him and they worked together on most of the musical arrangements that were sung. In 1904, Sevilla was visiting an ill ill bedridden friend. Although discouraged and sick, her friend remembered that God, her heavenly father, was watching over each little sparrow and would certainly watch after her. The scripture that reminded her was Matthew 10 and verse 29 to 31. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? Yet not one of them will fall to the ground outside your father's skier. And even the very hairs of your head are all numbered. So don't be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. Sevilla Martin was a poet a songwriter and thought this would be a perfect idea for a poem She jotted down the idea and by the end of the day she had completed her poem Why Should I feel discouraged? Why should the shadows come? Why should my heart be lonely and long for heaven and home when jesus is my portion my constant friend is he his eye is on the sparrow and i know he watches me let not your heart be troubled his tender word i hear and resting on his goodness i lose my doubts and fears though by the path he leadeth But one step I may see, his eye is on the sparrow, and I know he watches me. Whenever I am tempted, whenever clouds arise, (coughs) when songs give place to to sighing, when hope within me dies, I draw the closer to him. From here, he sets me free. His eye is on the sparrow and I know he watches me. I sing because I'm happy. I sing because I'm free. For his eye is on the sparrow and I know he watches me. If you're cheerful friends, sing. If you can't carry a tune, Go in the bathroom, close the door, but sing. Singing is a natural outflow of cheerfulness. And then thirdly, James says, if you're sick, if you're sick, call for the elders to anoint with oil and pray. Verse 14. You see, God has been known to be healer. Way back in the Old Testament time, when the children of Israel was in bondage in Egypt, God gave them a promise. Exodus chapter 15 verse 26. God said, if you listen carefully to the Lord your God and do what is right in his eyes, if you pay attention to his commands and keep all his decrees, I will not bring on you any of the diseases I brought on the Egyptians. For I am the Lord who heals you. Literally it says, for I am Jehovah Rapha, the God who heals. Amen. Healing was central to the earthly ministry of Jesus. Yes. (laughs) Inspired the little chorus. Everywhere he went. He was doing good he is the mighty healer he cleansed the leper when the people saw him they started thronging everywhere he went he was doing good jesus was known as a mighty healer see three specific instructions are found here there's a fourth but we will conclude with that fourth instruction but there are three specific instructions. Number one, he says, Call for the elders of the church. Is anyone sick? Call for the elders. Call for men and women of faith. Call for them. Surround yourself with people of faith. Men and women seasoned in the way of God. see, if you see, He said, if you're you're suffering, pray. Here he says, if you're sick, yes, you're going to pray, but you also need someone to stand in the gap. You need for someone to intercede on your behalf. He said, call for the elders of the church. Surround yourself with people of faith. Mature Christians. You know, we, we just, you know, they, 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 they conclude the conclusion of the documentary, The Last Dance. And I, I, I was told that Pastor Logan is a big fan of Michael Jordan because they, they, they attended the same college. Um, probably not the same time, but you know, they, they, they attended the same college. So in the documentary, The Last Dance, I, I don't know what episode it was, uh, 8, 9 or 10, don't remember. But it was after Michael Jordan's father had died. Jordan decided to surround himself with about half a dozen older men. And the reason he said he surrounded himself with these men was to keep him grounded. They became his entourage. And he said, you know, he, he bounced things off them. He, 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 he looked to them for life wisdom. He, he was asking them for advice. He surrounded himself. The, the, the goat of, 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 of basketball. Supposedly the greatest player, whoever, you know, whoever played the game of basketball. He was now missing the influence of his father. And to replace that, he surrounded himself with five or six older men. I saw men in their 50s. Some looked like they were in their 60s. One looked like he was even in his 70s. There's a great benefit in surrounding yourself with seasoned men and women of faith. Because they are veterans of spiritual warfare. Amen. Ask them. And they will tell you personal stories of how God answered their prayers. Ask them. And they would tell you of how God worked miracles in their lives and the lives of others around them. Ask them. And you will hear how God opened doors and made a way when all was hopeless ask them and they will tell you of god's perfect timing how if things had happened a day earlier or a day later things would not have worked out for them ask them and they would tell you how god sent his angels to protect ask them and they would tell you how god is true to his word yes yes or no is no ask them And they would tell you of God's healing powers. Ask them. And they would tell you that God knows best. That God's way is the best way. Ask them. And they would tell you how the best thing to do is to submit yourself to the will and authority of God. Ask them. Go ahead. Ask them. Surround yourself. But don't just bring them around you. Ask them. make sure you have a lot of time to sit and listen. Because if they have been serving God for any length of time to be designated elders in the church, they have a story to tell. <laughs> oh, whoa, 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 whoa. Not just a story. They have stories to tell. But to ask them, you must first invite them to surround you. You must first surround yourself with these saints of God. So James says, Is one of you sick? He should call the elders of the church. Surround yourself with elders of the church. Ask them for an asking. Your faith will be increased in the living God. Amen. Check not only to... Call for the elders of the church, but let them anoint that person. Let them anoint the sick with oil. See, oil is oil is a it's, it's a beautiful thing, and 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 we really don't appreciate the the measure of importance that oil was in back in the day. You know, in the in the in the story of the Good Samaritan, you know, when the, the this, this Samaritan guy was beaten up and left to die on the on the roadside and the and the you know you know the religious leaders walked by and didn't even you know just kind of took a look at him and just walked by on the other side and the the the, the, the Samaritan sorry the Samaritan came and, and um and and tendered to this man who was beaten up, this Jew, sorry, who was beaten up and he poured in oil. And wine. wine was to disinfect and oil was used as a balm as a healing balm and oil has always been used not just for healing but for religious purposes when Aaron was dedicated as the first high priest he was anointed with oil When David was selected to be king, he was anointed with oil by Samuel. When Jesus sent the disciples out um, to to, to minister in in Mark chapter 6, it says that they anointed people with oil and prayed over them. Oil represents the presence and power of the Holy Spirit. Yes, it is true that oil was used as a healing balm, but this was more than a representation of the church's plea that God would that you know that God would heal. This was a representation of the healing presence of the of healing presence and power of the Holy Spirit, that God would come in a healing way and touch the sick. So yes, we call for the elders and yes we surround folks who are sick by surrounding them with the elders who pray but not just to pray but to anoint them with oil you know that's why jesus was called the anointed one because he was the one anointed by the holy spirit the third specific instruction was for the elders to pray for the sick so they first had to you know if you're sick call for the elders secondly let them anoint with oil and third let them pray because we need in those times someone to stand in the gap someone to intercede on 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 your behalf Not just in the case when one is sick, we should always pray over our situation. The most important thing to remember is that we should always submit ourselves to the will and authority of God. Interestingly, having someone pray for you is an act of not only submitting to God, but it's also in a very real way submitting yourself to that person. Who is praying for you. For when you ask someone to pray for you, you are submitting yourself to God, but you're also humbling yourself before that individual. Would you pray for me? But it's not just praying for you know, it's not just praying in you know a, as, a, as a one-way situation. You pray for me, and I'm gonna be praying for you. Amen. We need each other. The words of the song written by Hezekiah Walker speaks accurately to the corporate dependency that we experience in the church. He writes, I need you. You need me. We're all a part of God's body. Stand with me. Agree with me. We're all a part of God's body. It it is his will that every need be supplied. You are important to me. I need you to survive. It is his will that every need be supplied. You are important to me. I need you to survive. I pray for you. You pray for me. I love you. I need you to survive. I won't harm you with words from my mouth. I love you. I need you to survive. It is his will that every need be supplied. You are important to me. I need you to survive. I cannot tell you that God will answer every prayer that you pray. The way that you want God, you know, your prayer is answered. But I can tell you that uh, we should always submit ourselves to Him, desiring that His will be done, that His name be glorified, that we pray, when we pray in the name of Jesus, we are submitting, that we are saying, God, Your will be done. When we pray in the name of Jesus, we're saying, may it be done Jesus' way. Amen. Didn't we learn that from Jesus Himself? Who faced not death, not only death, but faced the suffering, there's that word again. He faced the suffering and burden of the penalty of our sins, yours and mine. And when faced with such darkness and pain and agony, Jesus prayed, If it be possible, Father, let this cup pass from me, nevertheless. Not my will, but yours be done. James almost casually reminds us in verse 17. (laughs) He says, you know, Elijah was a man just like us. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain. And it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. Again he prayed, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth yielded its crops. Just, yeah, you know, remember that guy, Elijah? Just like us. It's just a, a guy like us, just a man, just like you, you and I, you know, and he says, uh, you know, Elijah was just a man, just like us, you know, you know, he prayed, he prayed earnestly, and rain, rain didn't come for three and a half years, and then he prayed again, and rain came. Wow. That's who we have to measure up to? (laughs) Elijah? Really? I read some things about Elijah and and, and that's a tall order. That's a, wow. Man, Elijah is way up there in terms of, you know, measures that we have to, that we have to meet. That sounds like if I told you that, uh, Michael Jordan is a man just like you are, you can go on the court and score 50 points in an NBA basketball game. <laughs> uh, I, yeah, I mean, you know, really, thanks, James. Thank you, James. This is, this is, this is too hard, but wait. We might say, James, couldn't you have chosen a more regular person, someone other than Elijah to kind of, you know, you know <laughs> encourage us? I mean, you're, 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 throwing the, 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 you're, you're throwing it really high. Really, James? Well, maybe things aren't as bad as they seem. You see, I know I can't be a basketball player you know, like MJ, Yeah, you know, and and uh, uh, a matter of fact, I'm, I'm so ticked off with life, you know, that, that, that I wanted so badly to be six feet tall. And five, 11 and a half. And I, I share that with the, with the kids you know, at school, and they say, well, Mr. Mason, you know, you're six feet in shoes. I said, yes, I know that, but I, I also know it's if I take the shoes off, I'm not six feet. So not just because of my height, but also because of my lack of athletic ability, won't be a good basketball player like MJ but Elijah hmm James stated clearly that he was really a man just a man just like we are so how so first let's understand that none of us are righteous (laughs) all of us have shortcomings including Elijah hear the word of the Lord as it is written there is no one righteous not even one Another hall of fame in the Old Testament King David described by scripture as a man after God's own heart he came face to face with his own humanity and sinfulness and he wrote in Psalm 51 For I know my transgressions and my sin is always before me. Against you and you only have I sinned and done this evil in your sight. And then the Apostle Paul writes a very famous scripture that we have heard so many times. For all, including Elijah. (laughs) For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. The Greek word... Hysterotonti is used here in the, in the phrase falling short. It literally means to come late hmm. or tardily to be left behind in the race. And so fail to reach the goal to stop short of the end. Metaphorically, it means fail to become a partaker and in hebrews chapter 12 it's used again and it's interpreted to fall away from and the greek word for sin armatia literally has the, the, the impression of a of an arrow that falls short of the target so you can think of a of a, of a person doing a you know a, a, an archery uh, practice with a with an arrow with a bow and arrow and instead of hitting the target the arrow comes and falls short that sin falling short of the glory of God and John reminds us if we confess our sins he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness so you see James was right Elijah a man just like we are but we can pray Amen? A mm-hmm. couple years ago, very dear friend of mine, we just know him simply as JP. He was at the time the athletic director at my school. He had a close friend, you know, I, 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 I saw my classroom door was open, I was by my um, desk correcting work and I looked down the hallway and I, I saw... JP walking into the teacher's lounge. and you know He was distraught. Something was wrong. And I got up to walk towards him. And he started walking towards me. And I said, JP, what's happening? And he says, um, Pops, can you, can you pray with me? I said, sure. What's the problem? He says, I have a friend who has a two-year-old daughter. Who had fallen down the stairs at her home. She was taken to the hospital and was unresponsive to treatment. J.P. had just become a father himself to a precious little girl named Lily. Thank God she looks like her mother. (laughs) But I could only imagine the petrifying thoughts that was going through J.P.'s mind. With tears running down his face, he said, Pops, could we pray now? I, I didn't know the girl. I didn't know her parents. But I could see JP's broken heart. So we prayed. We prayed for the Lord's healing touch on that little two-year-old girl. While praying, I could tell you, I sensed that God, God was answering our prayers. Not because I think I had tremendous faith at that time, but there was just a, I experienced a peace about the situation. And the first thought that came to my mind, I I literally, I I thought this little baby girl was simply called home to her Heavenly Father. Because I had experienced such a peace about that whole situation. I said, God, your will be done unknown to me during the very moments of our prayer JP's phone buzzed off was vibrating in his pants pocket when we finished praying he took his phone out and looked and he says pops you're not going to believe this Uh, yes I will I said to myself my friend just texted me while we were praying for healing He said, my friend just texted me to tell me. She suddenly started to respond and she regained consciousness. And the doctors think that she is going to be all right. Hallelujah. (laughs) No, I'm not in Elijah's league. But Elijah's God is my God. Amen. And no, you might not think that you're in Elijah's league. But Elijah's God is your God. And he's still answering prayer for his people. Amen. Here's the deal. God doesn't have to answer your prayers the way you want him to. But God expects us to pray boldly and in faith. And he will answer if we pray in his will. He will answer if we pray, submitting ourselves to His will and to His way. The fourth instruction, as I mentioned before, and this is where we conclude, is that the church was to confess our sins to one another. Confession is not easy. It means owning up to failure. It means taking responsibility for our actions or thoughts. The passing of the buck. The devil made me do it. Nah, that doesn't work here. Instead, it has to be, I did it. I did it. I was wrong. I messed up. It was my fault. I failed. See, because a reality check has to take place, confession to God is not easy at times. But we do it. We confess to God because God is God. (laughs) We confess to God because we recognize that God is God and we just can't hide from God. Even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day. For the darkness is as light to you. We can handle confession to God. I mean, He is holy. He is righteous. God is God. But confession to another person. Man, that's tough. That's tough. Because confession to another person means becoming vulnerable. And not too many people are ready to do that. People have been hurt and hurt badly because they opened up themselves to others and they became vulnerable and people abuse that vulnerability. But God is still saying, confess your faults one to another. It just opens up wounds, yes, and maybe that's the way the wounds are going to be healed. Understand that confession to another could be redemptive. It frees the listener to do their own confession to you or to another person. It's empowering to know that others are going through the same struggles that you might be going through. Hear the words of Paul as he writes to the Corinthian church. The temptations in your life are no different from what others experience. Isn't that that comforting? (laughs) The temptations in your life are no different from what others are experiencing. And God is faithful. He will not allow you the temptation to be more than you can stand. When you are tempted, He will show you a way out. That you might be able to bear it. That you might be able to endure it. Amen. Amen. See it's no accident that just before James wrote about the prayer of a righteous man. I know I, know I didn't touch that part of it. But that's, that's fine. It's been preached on a whole lot. <laughs> said the prayer of a righteous man avails much. It's no accident that just before that. He reminds us about Elijah. And that he admonishes the church to confess false to one another. So you know know what? The righteous man is a confessing man. (laughs) Because that's the way we get righteous. By confessing to God. 1 John chapter 1 and verse 9 tells us. It is in confessing that we find not only redemption in Christ. But healing in the body of Christ. Amen. So. God is a God for all situations. If you're suffering, pray. If you're cheerful, sing. If you're sick, call for the
0: elders. And let them pray. God bless you.